I need you today. I know that you're my brothers and my sisters, and I need you today. I've been burdened by this message, and I've struggled with it. I count you my friends. I know you're my brothers and sisters. I know it's cold and rainy outside and dreary, but I need you. And this is what I ask of you today, that today, especially, that you would open your hearts to the power of the Spirit as we read his word together. And that you would hold this up as a mirror into your own life. What do these words mean to you? Will you do that? Just say amen if you'll do that. Let's read God's word together. May the Spirit add his blessing to the reading of his word. Second Chronicles 21, 20 and 1. Now it came about after this that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon, together with some of the Meonites, came to war against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and reported Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, out of Aram and beyond. They are in Hazazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek him from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? And are you not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hands so that no one can stand against you. Did you not, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? They have lived in it and have built you a sanctuary there for your name, saying, Should evil come upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before the house and before you. For your name is in this house and cry to you in our distress and you will hear and deliver us. Now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, they turned aside from them and did not destroy them. See how they are rewarding us by coming to drive us out from your possession, which you have given us as an inheritance. O our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before the great multitude who are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. Let us pray. Holy Father, you do not change. From the very beginning, beyond our capacity to understand, you are the definition, the one true power of all of the universe. And there is no one like you. And you save when your children cry out. You deliver when your children repent. When we turn our faces back to you, you are faithful to forgive. So forgive us this very day. May the Spirit draw to our attention those ways we have failed you, those ways that we have hidden 
convict us, help us to repent, forgive us, so that there may be no barrier between us, and speak to us this day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I have struggled with this message more than any other that I have brought while serving as your pastor. And I haven't, uh, this hasn't been just this last week, but really over the last few months. I've struggled because I felt in my spirit this is the message for this season of our church. In fact, everywhere I look, the Spirit seems to be speaking to me, all the people, to seek my vision for the future of my church. This has been confirmed over and over in far too many God incidents over these last weeks. Call the people to seek my vision for the future of my church. This is what I have sensed I am to do. But the truth is, I have resisted. I have resisted because I have sensed this call before in other churches. And the truth is that too many times nothing seems to come from it. I've called for times of revival and renewal and a fresh vision. I've struggled wondering about my own abilities. I wonder... Two, if we as a church see the tremendous challenges that we face in the near future. And honestly, I've wondered if we care deeply enough to dedicate ourselves to seek and follow a fresh vision for the future. That's a lot, I know. And so you're probably wondering, what's the problem? Because, you know, aren't there so many good things going on in the church? There truly are. We just finished, you know, updating all of our facilities, and I was thinking just this morning, perhaps they'd never been any better, more welcoming, more open than now. We're meeting our budget, primarily because of a very generous December. Our attendance, except for today, seems to be holding, holding. This is an incredibly mission-minded and active church, but what's next for us? What's Next, and some may say, well, there's no crisis, and I would thankfully agree. In fact, it would be easier for us today if we had a great multitude that was outside the door that was standing against us, then perhaps we would be more willing to act. But we are, like many churches, an aging congregation. In every year that I've served here over the last almost five years, I have seen fewer youth than the year before. Young families seem to be pulled in a hundred different directions and most of them away from the church. Culture seems to be winning with their twisted concept of sexuality and idolatry of entertainment and out-of-control consumerism. And we may not see or be aware of the great multitude that stands against us, but I believe that if we stood, we put on our spiritual lenses, we might be startled and afraid as Jehoshaphat was. After our Christmas musical, I was uh, standing and talking with two friends, two 
members of this church, people I respect very much, and we were talking about the Christmas musical and how much it meant to us. And I was so very thankful for that musical because it seemed to try very hard to pull us back to the very heart of Christmas, the very center of all things. And one of my friends said to us, she said, you know, uh, some of my friends from another church came, two other churches, and she commented that they were kind of sad. They enjoyed the musical, but they said, you know, we can't do that in our church anymore. We can't do that because, you know, we've just lost too many people, and we're just too small now. And this kind woman of the church, she said, well, maybe, you know, next year we can invite some of the other churches to join us so that they can worship and they can be part of something like that. And I thought that was so kind. She said, they just don't have the people anymore. And then she was called to go do something else. My other friend who had been standing and listening had listened to her say that. We just, they don't have the people anymore. And he responded, and that could be us in five years. What's next for us? No, we aren't in crisis. We're holding our own. But doesn't it make a lot of sense to act before there is a crisis? Because there are churches in our community, churches that are a rock's throw from this church, like literally, geographically, next door to us. And one of the ministers from that church, he confided, he said, we are just waiting for our church to die. I don't know what you're waiting for. As long as you have breath in your lungs and you can move, why are you waiting for your church to die? Other churches, not in next door, but in our community, in our state, Every year there are churches that are closing their doors for the last time and turning off their lives. I read about, you have too if you read the biblical recorder, these, these warm-hearted stories. That's the tone I get where these churches are saying, you know, we can't do it alone and so we combine congregations so that we could continue on. And, and the stories are written like that. Oh, that's so, that's so sweet and kind. And, and, and part of me goes, yeah, I, I get that. But another part of me just screams inside, that's a failure. Why were you not willing to act while you could? While you had strength, while you had resources? So what's next for us? Listen, some of you have, I've been here five years. Some of you have been here your entire lives. You love this place. You care about it. This is God's house. His name is in this. This house has been dedicated to him. What's next for us? We have incredible resources. We have incredible resources. Where will we put our resources. How will we reach out in the community as a, as a sign of God's love? How will we draw people so that many people can be saved? How will we lead young families to worship so that this church will survive long after its 150th anniversary? Long after. And I'm not sure what the answer is. And that's partly what's troubled me and maybe why I resisted bringing this message because, you know, isn't the pastor supposed to have the answers? And this week I just had to say, you know, that's, 
That's vanity. The pastor is not supposed to have all the answers. The pastor is called to, to lead the congregation to the one who does have all the answers. We find our answers as we turn our face to God. We find our answers as we rely on the Holy Spirit and we study his word. And this passage that we open today is an incredible template to us. If we love God, if we are passionate about him, if we desire this church to thrive, not for our own sake, but for God's glory and for the lost all around us, won't you listen? Won't you listen to this template this example that God has given us today through the story of Jehoshaphat. The scriptures say there was a great multitude coming against him and he was afraid. And so Jehoshaphat, it says, he turned his attention to seek the Lord. He turned his attention to seek the Lord. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. Oftentimes we get into a crisis and the first thing we want to do is, Johnny, what do you think? Daphne, what do you think? And what do you think we should do? And Johnny's a good guy. And I love him like a brother. But the truth is, his wisdom and my wisdom are just about the same. And we need a higher wisdom. We need to seek the Lord. That's what the scriptures say. We need to seek God's wisdom. To seek the, the Lord is to show that, Lord, you are our hope. You are our answer. You are the one that sees all things, knows all things, has all of the wisdom. We don't run around to all the other people. What do you think? What do you think? What's working at the big church? What do you think? We show humility before God and say, you are our hope. You are our answer, and we seek you. It means that we, listen, listen. I was so convicted of this just this week. It means that we turn away from those things that are going to spiritually dull our senses. Turn away. Waste of time. Or, or, or it means that we need to give up that hidden sin because, Lord, we don't want any barrier between you and us. We just want to seek you to know your wisdom. The scriptures say that we have hidden sin, we have unrepentant sin in our life. The face of our Father turns away from us and he will not hear. And there's not one person in this congregation that wants that. And we are kidding ourselves if we think otherwise. The scripture says that we are to seek. Do we see the challenges that lay ahead? How will we respond? How will we respond? And here's another thing that we don't do when seeking the Lord. One of the first things that we want to do is to reach right to our pet peeve, right to our particular passion, and say, you know what? If we only just sang all contemporary songs or if we only sang just all hymns or whatever it is, whatever our pet peeve is, that is not seeking the Lord. That is short-circuiting the Lord. Just to come before him and say, we don't have the answer. This is too big for us. So Holy Father, by the power of your spirit, just reveal to us in majestic, supernatural ways what your will is, what your wisdom is. Psalm 10.4 says, The wicked in haughtiness of countenance does not seek him. All his thoughts, there is no God. And we don't want to ask no God. Rather, we want to seek him and not reach too quickly for our particular passion. 
If we do, we're going to miss the wisdom and the blessing of God. I want to ask you, in your heart of hearts, as you're sitting here this morning, are we passionate enough about God? Do we love our neighbor enough to enter into a time of prayer to see God's vision for the future of his church? Sincerely, are we passionate enough about God to seek him? Secondly, Jehoshaphat proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. We don't hear too much about fasting in the modern church, do we? The only time I hear about fasting is, you know, it's a cleanse or it's, it's some way, I don't lose weight or something. It's all about me. That's not what this is. Moses fasted before receiving the Ten Commandments. David fasted as he mourned over the illness of his son. Elijah fasted when he was escaping Jezebel. Ezra fasted mourning over sin. Esther fasted as she cried out to God for her brothers and sisters, the Jews. Darius fasted for the safety of Daniel. Daniel fasted as he sought understanding. Jesus fasted before going into the temptation by Satan. And Jesus said these words, but when you fast, and the expectation was at that moment that part of the life of faith is that we would fast. The part of that life of seeking God would be fasting. Now, what is a fast? I can tell you that you know most of the time we're thinking about food. It doesn't necessarily have to be that. But I'll tell you this, that fasting slows us down. And it sensitizes our spirit to the leading of his spirit. And there are many kinds of fast, and food is one of them. And I think fasting is a terribly private thing. That's what the scriptures say. That's not something that we really talk about that much. But for the purpose of kind of teaching, I just want to say fasting is an incredible blessing. As I said, it slows life down. And every time that we do feel those pangs of hunger for the first couple days especially, then that's the reminder of what? That we are to stop and to pray. That we don't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. We fast to seek his will. To fast shows God that we are serious about seeking his face. That we desire him And i got to tell you, don't you believe that if we honor God in this way, that he will honor us? God has not changed. Template is not a, a piece of paper. It is alive. And if we honor him, he will honor us. Thirdly, Judah gathered together, it says. Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. I'm reminded in this verse that You know, Jehoshaphat called the people together. It was their choice if they were going to come or not. It was their their choice if they were going to gather together. It was their choice if they were going to fast, if they were truly going to pray and seek God. I'm reminded in this verse that this isn't something that, you know, the ministers can decide for us. This is a decision that individually we must make, that corporately we would gather together. To set a time aside, the the next 30 days is what I'm thinking. If we can set that time aside for prayer, for fasting, if you feel called to that, to give up something. Sometimes fasting isn't food. Sometimes it's technology. 
Sometimes it's something that you just know that you've got no business participating in. I'm giving it up. I'm setting it aside because I'm going to dedicate myself to seeking you. Fourth, the people show tremendous faith. I love this. Second Chronicles says, we will stand before this house. It's like, I, I'm, not, I'm not budging. We will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry to you in distress, and you will hear us, and you will deliver us. Do we have faith that God can overcome culture? Do you? Do you? Throughout history, God has worked miracles through small groups of people. You, you know that, right? As you've studied. It's called remnant theology. A small remnant of people God uses mightily. Could I just cast in for you today? Are you with me? Just say amen. Amen. All right. What if 200 people, 150 today, but what if we gathered together and said that we're going to dedicate ourselves to seek God's vision for the future? That we're going to turn away from some of the cultural things that are just holding us back. What if this group of people gathered together and truly committed to seek God's will? Don't you think that God would answer? What miracles might we see? What new visions that we've never thought of might he reveal to us for his sake and his glory. Luke 137 says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Have you ever thought to yourself, well, 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 I guess that's just the state of the church. You know, 85% of all churches are in decline or plateaued in America. I guess there's just nothing we can do. Have you ever thought it? Shame on us for thinking it. Have you ever thought, well, the only, here's mine, God forgive me, the only churches that seem to be growing are those that are full-on contemporary. But that's not who we are, and that's not what we're going to do, I don't think. So I guess, shame on me. Because nothing is too difficult for my God. How about yours? Do you believe? Are you willing to risk are you willing to set aside a time of reading and studying the scripture and praying? Finally, the verse that I absolutely fell in love with. Jehoshaphat closed the prayer with these words. Listen. Listen if you think the obstacles are too great. For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. You want to read it with me together? But our eyes are on you. Delicious. Wondrous. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. What, what in the world are we going to do? Where are we going to put these incredible resources that we still have as a church while it's still not too late? Where are we going to put our resources? Answer, I'm not sure, Heavenly Father, and I'm okay with that, but our eyes are going to be on you. 
How are we going to draw young families into this church so this church will thrive for God's kingdom and all of those little generations that follow are just going to be blessed? And just like Marshall's going to be baptized days from now, man, we just want that baptismal running for years and generations to come. How, how are we going to do that, Lord, when there just seems to be so many things that are standing against us? I don't know. But you know what? You know, Heavenly Father, and our eyes are on you. And I know that you're faithful. If we'll just turn our eyes to you, that you'll pour out blessings on us that we can't even imagine right now. And I'm not going to be one of those churches, and I don't want to be one. We're just waiting for our church to die. And I guess this is just the way it is. No, sir. Our eyes need to be on our Heavenly Father. Everywhere I look, the Spirit has been speaking to me. Call the people to seek my vision for my church. And this is what I'm doing today. Will you join me in seeking God in the days to come? With, with no limitations, with no preconceived ideas, just, Lord, we're going to study and pray, and some may be called to fast. We're going to repent and ask for forgiveness. And some of you are thinking probably, you know, this is new to me. I don't absolutely see the great need. I, I find this all a little bit frightening. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just take one step. And my experience is with the Heavenly Father, if you just take one step, he'll do mighty things in your life. He'll meet you there and he'll show you the next step and you'll be amazed where you can be and where we can be as a church. Are you open today to just pray? If you don't see the incredible need or, or, or maybe you're just not sure if you want to participate, would you be willing to just to pray the simple prayer? I am yours. If you desire to speak to me, I am here to listen and obey. I am yours. I've asked the deacons to come down at the end of the service today just to, just to meet with you, just to stand with you and to pray for our church. So if you'd be willing to enter into a season of prayer, just, just meet them. Even if it seems overwhelming, just take that one faithful step. I promise you, God will meet you there. For others, I put together a 30-day prayer guide. It, there's nothing mystical. These were just the things I prayed all the way through it as I was trying to put it together. It's just a, a brief passage and then a, a short prayer. Add this to your daily prayer life for the next 30 days. You know, keep, keep a journal, whatever it is. I can write it, but we have to decide whether we'll join together. It's, it's in the front pew if you want that. Others may... Deeply personal, deeply intimate with God, a time of fasting. And so I just put a little, a little fact sheet together about fasting, about making sure that you see your doctor if you're going to do it, if, if you have any doubt. Or, or maybe there's a different kind of fast or something that you can give up to show that you are serious about your relation. That's in the front pew too. Are you willing to seek God's wisdom for the glory, for his glory in the future of the church? Do you, do you wonder, by the way, how it turned out with Jehoshaphat? You say it's a template, you would expect a, a good response, right? Here, are you ready for the answer? You ready? 
God spoke through his prophet saying this, 2 Chronicles 20. Listen, in all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Isn't that wonderful? Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jeruel. You need not fight in this battle. Station yourself, stand, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. I wouldn't have thought of that. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out and face them, for the Lord is with you. Brother Scott, do you know how they went out? You should know, as the choir director, you should know this. You know how they went out? They led with the choir. Wouldn't have thought of that. You see, and that's a perfect example is that we don't need to short circuit and jump to that thing that is our pet peeve or our passion. We just need to yield to our Heavenly Father and open up the door and he's going to show us. He, led, he said, lead with the choir into combat. Second Chronicles 22. When they began singing and praising... The Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon and Moab, Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so they were routed. In other words, they attacked each other. God sent them, and the choir, leading everyone into battle, celebrated and watched over this great victory. Second Chronicles 20 and 25. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they didn't have to go into battle. They just picked up all the goodies afterwards. They found much among them, including goods, garments, and valuable things which they took for themselves, more than they could carry. And they were three days taking the spoil because there was so much. Wouldn't have thought with leading with the choir. But the scripture says the battle is not yours, it's God's. I want to tell you a secret. The great multitude out there, that's not our battle. That is not our battle. That is not our battle. Here's the truth of it. Our battle is right here. It's in our hearts. The battle is, will we turn aside from all the worldly distractions? Or will we dedicate ourselves to our Heavenly Father to seek His face and His wisdom? What might God do through this church? How might he help it thrive for his kingdom and his glory? I don't know the answer, but I'm looking forward to finding out. As I'm praying, I'm just going to ask our deacons, would you come down and just line up in front of the altar facing our congregation Pray with me. Holy Father, thank you for this time. This is our time of invitation. Oh God, I desire so much for you and for your people. Join our hearts together in this moment. Help us to be faithful to your scripture, to the spirit and how he has spoken to us. May it never be about performance. Performances come and go. But help us, Lord. Convict us. 
speak to us even this moment. We do these things for your sake, your glory, and our love for you and our neighbor. In Jesus' name, amen.